this is not the end. This is your second win, such as like an athlete goes in and say, okay, I'm ready for round two. All right, here we go. I'm ready for whatever is mine and I am going to grab it this time. What's up, co-workers? Hey, y'all. It has been a minute and we missed y'all, so we are back. And if you have a fuck you, please send them to us here at Black at Work Pod at gmail.com. Or you can go on our site and submit them anonymously um, at blackatworkpod.com. So our first fuck you comes from Chelsea Wilson, I hope I can say her name. Chelsea Wilson says, I sent this email to my employer in the Bay Area as well as another one that followed. In the nonprofit world, you would assume it would be different because you because you're in service of others trying to make social change. But no, it's all the same. When I spoke up, silence was on the other end. All I am is a punching bag to them and would never be seen as anything else. I am a program manager for an behavioral program that deals with aggressive disabled students. My coworkers who run the other programs barely deal with the incidents I have to deal with. They are always praised with with promotions and raises, but I never but I'm never seen in that light. My file is clean and a perfect example of a good employee. I took COVID leave right after because the employer thought he was going to open up. This is the email that I sent. It reads, attached to this email is my son's letter from his school indicating that the school will not reopen till fall. My other child care option is limited space and time, and I only have paid support to help with this. Due to this, I am unable to return to work on Wednesday. Since I'm not able to return, I want to also address the last manager meeting on June 3rd, 2020. Before we began the meeting, I heard Tony make a comment towards Denise that was offensive. The comment frustrated me to the point where I could not address the other comments I heard that day. For Tony to ask Denise if he was wearing a mask in reference to his beard was disturbing to hear. My father is Indian. Hearing a coworker make that comment as a racist and unprofessional joke was upsetting. I was angry but didn't speak up because time and time again, I'm always labeled as an angry black woman and did not want to further experience such discriminatory labeling. I have dealt with racism all my life. In my professional life, I've experienced racism at Los Trumpets as well with RES success. I've heard the N-word as I've walked down the street with students in Martinez. I experienced racism when I was in the ER with the Black participant who was reacting out of fear. I have been called out favoring Black staff because I'm Black. There are endless examples. There are many times that I had to pretend that I was fine when I was made fun of how I talk and or write. I can't help that I have a learning disability. I have even been told that I don't act like a typical black person while working at RES from a white coworker because I happen to grow up in Dublin. What I'm trying to say is that not all lives matter, as it was stated in the meeting. I am black before I am a woman. A white woman has more respect in this society than I do. I stuck my neck out in a literal sense when working here. I've been spit on, poop thrown at me, choked, bite, hit, etc. Can my 
coworkers say the same about their experience. When higher positions open up, can we all apply? Can we all be given an equal chance at such positions? I thank you for sending the email regarding Black Lives Matter. But the fact I have not seen RES success respond to the movement on social media yet, it makes me wonder, do I really matter? It makes me wonder too. Um, Shit. Every Black person I know, mind and mental has been going a thousand miles per hour these days, this these weeks, this years, these months. Ugh, girl, this this email kind of just blew the life out of me. Honestly, I I don't even know what to say because it's just more of the same shit that we constantly deal with the the shit that we have to work up, wake up, and deal with every day. On top of us literally being assassinated and lynched publicly. I I, I, I don't have words for this. I'm sorry. I'm yeah. sorry for you. Yes, Chelsea. It's, it's the same redundant story that we have to speak about every day. How Black women are not treated as equal as our white counterparts. And if we speak out or we say something about anything or if we're being discriminated against at work, uh, it's not held at the same level as it would be for a white woman or a man, for that matter. They don't look at, at black women um, as equals, period. So I'm sorry that you're having to deal with that. And unfortunately, this is our reality. But I'm hoping that, you know, with everything that's going on, we continue to rise up and speak up about speak up about it and talk about it so that we can have more of a voice. You know what I'm saying? And fuck the angry black woman stereotype. I'm over that shit. Y'all can label me what the fuck y'all want. I'm going to speak up and say, if some shit is wrong, I'm going to speak up and say what it is. That ain't nothing but manipulation. It's a form of microaggression. They want us to feel like we can't speak up, like that we're beneath them just so that we don't disturb their lives. But fuck that. I'm no longer up here babysitting white people's feelings or any of that shit. I'll say you all, you niggas blaze when it comes to a meeting and me speaking up about some fuck shit that's going on. So like Anessa said, just keep your head up. You know, this is this is our lives. This is what we have to deal with. Um, I'm sure all of our listeners can relate. And um, girl, I'm I'm just praying that you make it through the day like the rest of us, honestly. Yes, and I'm so glad you said that, Dana. Them telling, putting that stereotype, angry black woman, that is a way to silence us. So don't let them use that for you not to speak up and say what you feel or what you want. Because guess what? These white people do it every single day. When I was at work this week, and I know I'm going off on a tangent, but when I was at work this week, every white, there's, I'm the only black person on my team. Let me just say that. Every white person on that team had an issue with something and they speak up about it. You think they're getting fired? You think they're getting written up? You think they have anything? No, they speak up. They say what they want to say and they just go back and forth. with their. Yeah, they are. And they go back and forth with their leaders. So if they can do it, we can do it. Do the same thing. What, what reason do you have to fire me? You don't. I'm just speaking my mind like all these other people do. So speak your truth, period. Anyways, I'm sorry. Girl, <laughs> you good. I mean, that, hey, that is what it is. It is. So 
Our next fuck you comes from Sherry. Hey, Sherry girl. <laughs> she says, woo child, Anessa voice. <laughs> I trademarked it. Trademarked it. Girl, I'm about to. I'm about to. Oh my gosh. So, woo child. Let me say it for you, girl. I have forced myself in an entanglement and I need to know if I'm being petty, lol. Okay, so my ex and I are both shift leads at our company. Yes, I got him the job as we were together for eight years before we decided to end things last fall. Okay, so one of the managers hired a woman a few months ago to work on my daytime shift. And she and my ex have recently been a real, you know, flirty. And I overheard her talking about him to another employee that she likes him. I couldn't help myself, y'all. I started scheduling her for night shift so that she could never interact with him. It's not that I'm still in love. I just don't want to see him with another girl all up in my workspace throwing that shit in my face every day. The relationship is over and I'm cool with that. But honey, do your hookups elsewhere, okay? Now I am feeling bad because she's been complaining about being on night shift and not having enough time with her kids. Mm-mm. I know what I'm doing if anyone new could get me fired, but my pride is in the way and I just don't want to see her and my ex together. I just don't. Am I being petty, LMAO? Part of me knows I am, but should I put old girl back on days or not? Love the show so much. Y'all are the bomb. No fuck you today. Just want advice. Look. Petty boots. Petty boots. Look at the girl with the petty boots. It's you. Okay. um, So... Anessa and I are in Texas and it's 105 degrees today, which means it's too damn hot for some petty boots. Now, unless you stay in the golf and you're wearing some petty rain boots, you still need to take them shits off and leave this girl alone. You say you're not in love. Well, prove it and step out of this man's affairs. Yeah, it sucks. To see that shit, I'm sure. But don't infringe on another person's life just because you feel some type of way. Ten times out of ten, if you're asking somebody if you're being petty, you already know you're being petty. You uh, need to give it up, coworker. Uh, let these people live. Find you a new strain of weed, something. Calm down. Sit this one out. Take off them hot-ass boots, Talking about you need advice, girl. <laughs> you need a therapist. We love you, girl, but you need to see someone to sort that shit out. Go ahead, Vanessa. Yes, girl. Day. <laughs> I'm sorry. I need a break to, to process what Dana just said. Baby, she done read this lady to filth, okay? <laughs> Here is my advice, Sherry. Okay. <laughs> Sherry, listen. Look, woo child. Yeah, you have got well, you're not in an entanglement because you was with this man for eight years, but y'all not together no more. So this ain't an entanglement. What you're doing, I will say, sweetheart, coworker, it is wrong because here's the thing. When it's kids involved, it's just different. And my take, I'm I'm feeling that you don't have kids because if you did have kids, you would know how this would hit home. So I have been in the situation where I have not been able to see my kid, where I haven't been able to see my child after maternity leave. And before this, before I had my baby, I didn't give two 
chit chones. I don't even know what that is about kids. You know what I mean? Like, just to give you an example, I didn't, I was out here living my best life and I didn't understand how kids affected a parent until I actually had a child. So the the slightest thing, like, you know, your child's small, the smallest thing they do, if they stand up on their own, if they slobber too much, girl, like everything is a milestone and you want to be able to see that. And so when you're away from your kids, it hurts and it's something that's unexplainable. So the fact that you are taking this time away from her kids is really fucked up. So you might want to address your heart. And really, yeah, address your heart and put that aside for this, for the, for the fact of this lady's kids. Because at the end of the day, her kids don't have nothing to do with, you know, your pettiness. You know what I'm saying? So if you really, really want to, you know, not be, because you are being petty, girl. But that part of it, like, put her back on the day shift, please, so she can spend some time with her kids. Because that's... Put, not even being able to put her babies to bed. You know what I'm saying? She probably can't even put her babies to bed because she working a damn night shift. Like, you also want to be able to be the last person that your baby sees at night. So, you know, girl, stop being petty. And I'm about to make some shirts that say, woo child, so I need y'all to buy them for $10, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, that's all of the fuck yous that we have for this week so if you have a fuck you <laughs> please send them to us y'all see we get a, some crazy fuck yous here at black and work pod okay y'all are hilarious <laughs> well first before we get into the water cooler anessa and i would like to thank all of y'all for bearing with us through our three-week hiatus um the first two weeks were intentional the third was not I was sick and shut in on the struggle bus headed south. Okay. So Anessa sitting over there right now looking at me, looking like everybody was kung fu fighting. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I shot the sheriff looking ass. <laughs> Girl, I'm looking a mess today. But anyway. <laughs> Girl, I am too. Thank y'all, and uh, let's go ahead and get into the water cooler. Okay, so a few weeks ago, Joe Biden selected former presidential hopeful Kamala Harris to be his running mate. She hits every check on the list. First black slash Indian woman went to a HBCU. She's an AKA. Shout out to all the women of Alpha Kalpha Alpha Sorority Incorporated. She's the Black American dream and blah, 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 blah. Y'all know on this show, I didn't favor either of these people, but fuck that. Guess who I'm voting for? We have a literal demon in the White House right now itching to turn America, which is already fucked up, into 1935 Nazi Germany. We need to do whatever the fuck we can to get this decrepit bastard and his clan members out of leadership. I don't give a damn if it was Joe Biden and homie the clown. A bottle of Dasani water could be running against Donald Trump and I'm still voting for the bottle of water. Fuck this man. 
fuck any feelings that you have about either of these candidates or whether you think your vote matters. Take your black ass to USA.gov, can confirm your voter registration, get your ass out there and vote in John Lewis's name. Amen. We have everything to lose right now. You think shit is bad now? It's going to get worse. We have an administration that doesn't give a fuck about this COVID shit and sending your kids to school during it, making you work during it. None of that. When they literally have the money to stipend us so that we can pay our bills, they're just not giving it to us. They're giving it to these big corporations and shit. They don't give a fuck about black lives. They think we're a Marxist organization. What the fuck? That sounds dumb as hell and y'all can go to hell they're tell they're steady rolling back laws that infringe on our civil rights let's stop fucking around and do what we can convince your generation z ass family members with they goofy asses too because lord knows i'm trying with my 20 year old sister like this shit is important this is our future please go vote baby when i say dana has summed it up for y'all like, and that's on period. That's with the T. I can't even say nothing after that. Like, to reiterate, because that's all I can do at this point, get your black ask, like my mama say, <laughs> out and vote. It don't matter what you feel about her. It don't matter what you feel about Biden. Anything is better than what we have. We have these literal racist people that are clearly racist, have no problems with it. They are. It's ridiculous. Vote, please, y'all do not be in the twilight zone and do not be bamboozled or fooled by these Uncle Tom black men and women that's getting up here that they are using to as pawns so that they can get some of us to vote. Do not be fooled and bamboozled by it because all them, all those people up there is doing is yes, a massa. I get up here and say what I got to say, massa, so that they like, so I can stay in the big house. No, <laughs> like get out and vote. I cannot say it enough and do not vote for Trump. Let me say this. I, people keep saying, I don't care who you vote for. No, I do care who you vote for. You need to vote for, you need to vote for Biden and, and, and Kamala. That's it. That's that on period. On period. Um, R. Kelly was allegedly attacked in jail this week by some inmates, but who gives a fuck about that? You know who I do hope they find their ass in Jim Pop? This motherfucker, Cal Rittenhouse, who took his oblong head ass down to a peaceful protest in Kenosha, Wisconsin, for Jacob Blake with a fucking assault rifle, walked past the police and these niggas basically waved at him. And then this nigga shot three people, killing two. Go to hell, you bitch. 17 years, I don't give a fuck. He was charged with first-degree reckless homicide, first-degree recklessly endangering safety, first-degree intentional homicide, attempted first-degree intentional homicide, first-degree recklessly endangering safety, and a punk-ass misdemeanor for possession of a dangerous weapon. You know what? I hope they put you under the jail, bitch. 
I hope they put your ass in gym pop and there's not enough races in there to protect you from the ass whooping that you are sure to get. I hope you get the death sentence and it kills your parents. I hope your whole bloodline gets set ablaze because you know who deserves to die? People like you and the motherfuckers who taught you at your young ass age to be so hateful. Fuck you. Y'all, Dana is on one today, okay? <laughs> I'd be like, I don't even know what to say after this. But she's so right. Like, baby, you coming with it today. Look, I don't understand how a man can walk by, literally an armed man can walk right by the police, right, walk right in front of their faces, and they not do a motherfucking thing. And a black, at this point, I mean, they're all black. I mean, they're black men, but a black person, period, at this point, because that's all they see is black. A black person, a black animal is what they think that we are, can literally be, you know, just standing somewhere, be driving in a car, you know, driving while black, not doing a thing. Don't even have a weapon. Don't even have a pencil to, to stab somebody with. And this man can be walking around with a army, U.S. Army uh, grenade. I mean, I'm not saying that's what he had, but like a bomb in his hand and y'all not do a thing. If y'all don't realize that there are differences, it's, it's something wrong. If you don't put two and two together like, okay, this white person can do this, but this black person can do this and don't have nothing on him and get shot seven times while his children are in the car and traumatize his kids like that. Traumatize us. Like I ex I, I try not to even watch those videos. Me too. But I accidentally um saw Jacob Blake shoot it and my God. Are you fucking serious? The cop, he wasn't even holding the gun steady. It was just like a nightmare. It was a complete nightmare. A total nightmare. I mean, if if you if that doesn't show you, I mean, everything has shown y'all. I mean, George Floyd, we saw that for eight minutes, nine minutes of him blatantly getting killed. This has happened. And this man didn't even, like, we don't even have anything on us and we're getting killed. This man walking right past y'all with army, army ammunition and don't, ain't nothing happening to him. Smiling and waving and shit. And Jacob Blake had a knife under the seat of his passenger side car uh, uh, car seat. And of course, they're bringing up his records and all that stuff. See, white people, when y'all kill us, y'all always looking for reasons why we should have died. Oh, he had a warrant out for his arrest for some assault. Listen, having a warrant, um, having a knife, even having a gun does not warrant a fucking death sentence. You need to have the same type of fucking restraint that y'all have with these white people actually wielding guns and weapons at y'all that y'all would for our black skin. We are not a threat to you, but you make us so. You execute us in front of our kids. You replay the shit on the media, just putting us on notice. We can lynch y'all. This shit is traumatizing. I'm done. I'm over with it. Get y'all fucking 
themselves together. White people, you want to know how you can help us? Go sit down at the table with your grandmama and tell her how she fucked up for her racist ass viewpoints and voting practices. Go sit on Capitol Hill and demand that we get the same treatment and the same laws as y'all. Yeah, marching with us, that's 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 cute and everything, but we need y'all to change y'all racist system that y'all built and stop fucking asking us how can we not be racist how can we not you figure that shit out y'all know the shit that y'all doing is racist y'all know the shit that y'all doing is fucked up y'all know the shit that y'all doing is not equal to what the fuck we're going we're 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 doing anytime somebody can get shot in the back seven times in front of their fucking children but yeah you see another video of a white man literally waving an ar-14 uh 15 whatever they fucking call in front of the goddamn cops and they waving and smiling at this nigga offering him water man i can we cue the organ cue it (laughs) cue the organ Cause baby, that's it, and and that's on that. Like it, it's that on that. I'm sick of. I was telling Dana, I am so t- like I'm literally mentally exhausted and almost physically exhausted from seeing this replay every week. At this point, I don't. It's literally every week that we're seeing something like this happen. And I love that you said white people stop asking us, well, what can we do? You know damn well what you can do. You, It's clear. It's not equal. We need to be treated the exact same way the child's treated. Okay, because it was a video that came out and in the, in, in the uh, white man was literally lunging at the police. He had something. He, he The police like aimed at him and he went and was aggressive and jumped, almost jumped on the police, was running for the police. The police did not one time pull out a gun on this man. I saw a police straight up wrestle a man in Walmart that was beating his ass and not once did he even reach for his gun. Not once. There are many examples. Like we don't have to keep re replaying this. It is clear that you are that they think that we are some type of it's an animal. You must think we are a, a damn bat or you know what I'm saying? Some type of wolf, a hyena, whatever that you feel like. Cause there's no, I just, I just don't understand. I'm just, I'm tired of talking about this every week. I'm so tired of looking at this. I'm tired of, I'm just, I'm tired. I really am. My final point is we've been asking for this shit for thousands and thousands of years. Y'all know what the fuck is up. And and that's that on that. Stop acting like y'all don't know what the fuck is going on out here and um, do do something significant. If you really want to enact change, do something significant and not this this other bullshit. But anyway, in response to the Jacob Blake shooting, the NBA and the WNBA decided to boycott sports this week in response to that. And side note, the WNBA was doing this last season, um, but y'all probably ain't heard about that. It's always Black women leading the charge. But anyway, Kyrie Irving was actually the first NBA player that suggested a playoff boycott, but nobody listened to him. LeBron James stepped up and led this charge, literally putting the NBA and America on notice that enough is enough. So, of course, money is at stake. So everybody was scrambling, trying to figure out how to meet their demands. Long story short, nothing's changed, but they put forth some initiatives to the best of their powers. And the playoffs are set to resume this week. 
also wanted to point out that several other sports organizations and players also decided to boycott from tennis to baseball and even the damn white ass hockey hockey league. They they decided to boycott. So shout out to y'all. I feel like this boycott should be forever, though. Y'all don't care about black lives. So why should you get the luxury of watching us play? Why should we entertain you? Yeah, it, you know, at one point, I know I talked about uh, a few episodes how I didn't feel like it was sincere with the whole, you know, Black Lives Matter plastered on, you know, the courts and all of that. But, you know, now that I've seen that um, the NBA players, I mean, even the tennis players uh, have even gone and, you know, boycotted and not played their matches and the women of the WNBA, you know, having seven bullets on their shirts. Like, I feel like, you know, now y'all are, I mean, now it feels, I mean, unfortunately something had to happen, but you know, it does feel real. I really wish though that they would have not played. That's my opinion. I feel like the only way that we're going to be able to really see something change is, is if they do something out of the, Order, order, ordinary. Like, not playing basketball is going to hurt the white man's pockets. All of this shit is about money at the end of the day. It's all about money. That's the only reason why they were so pressed to get everybody to go back to the WNBA so they could have ticket sales on the virtual screen, which I don't even know why people would buy that. I can watch it on TV. It's all about money. So if they really, if they say, we ain't playing, period, until something happens with Breonna Taylor, with George Floyd, with Jacob Blake, we're not playing. I feel like them white people will be like, hey, look, y'all need to go ahead and do something about this because this hurting our pockets not right now. This is starting to affect us. So somebody would literally go to the White House with a gun and put it to Trump's head and be like, hey, my niggas aren't playing. And we need a change. Like that's literally what's that's that that's, that's what's going to happen. That's why I feel like this shit should have went on forever. But I I feel like it should. I feel like it um it should have too. And I know one of the players came out and was like, "Well, why shouldn't we play? This is you know giving us an opportunity to be a voice to the voiceless." And I understand that, but at the same time, I mean, I see both sides, but I see my side a little bit more. I feel like if y'all do something drastic, that's the only way something drastic is going to happen. But it was their decision. That's what they made. I wish they would have stuck it out a little bit more, but you know. Yeah, and I heard President Obama actually phoned uh, King LeBron James and was like, hey, y'all, go ahead and play. I don't know what that's all about, but whatever. Anyway, what else? Um... The $400 of extra unemployment is back this week. So for those of you who are on unemployment, you should have seen that increase. Uh, What else? Donald Trump's sister is steady letting his ass and his weirdly robotic children have it on these secret recordings, quote unquote. I'm sure this was some type of democratic political ploy. I don't give a fuck. Um, Monica and Kim Kardashian is trying to get C murder out of jail. Um, niggas is steady dying from COVID and taking trips. Um, what you got, Anessa? I it's so much going on. I just, I would say, I just want to encourage everybody to just, you know, take a 
I, my cousin posted on her Instagram story and was like, if you could take a bath, if you need to take a bath, go take a walk. As black people, do something so that you can decompress because this is a lot to deal with all day, every day. And then on top of that, having to go to work and you the only black person on your team. And it's like, you still have to go to work and deal with all this. And nobody says, you know, dang, all the things that you've seen this week, are you okay? Or nobody asks anything. So it's, it's a lot for us to have to deal with. So y'all keep y'all head up. And finally, um, I saved this news for last because I knew I'd have to take a break after this. And I can't even say this out loud, but um, actor Chadwick Boseman died yesterday of colon cancer. It was revealed that he had been fighting this disease since 2016. And like a true Sagittarius, nobody knew. And he worked through all of that shit. Um, You guys know all the recent movies, even Black Panther. He did all of that while going through surgeries and chemo. People were making comments about his appearance because he was, you know, his weight was going up and down and people were trying to flame him online and all of that shit. Now we know why. Fuck y'all for that. But If you're a believer, you probably understand that God said that his assignment was complete here on earth. If you're like me, you're probably still wondering why. But I just want to say, Chadwick, thank you. Um, Thank you for sharing your talent with us. Thank you for being vocal about the treatment of Black people in our society, the treatment of Black artists in the entertainment industry. Um, Thank you for giving us films and a superhero that our kids could watch and look up to because we didn't have that. Thank you. That's all I have to say. Yes. Rest in peace to Chadwick Boseman. This news was devastating. I feel like we have lost so many, you know, I feel like we, we just keep losing people. Uh, it's like loss and more loss and more loss. This year is just has been, I feel like, you know, I am a believer. I feel like it, this whole year is really a wake up call for something. God, I feel like it's trying to get our attention like Jacob Blake's mom said, she said that she had a speech and it was very moving and powerful. She was saying to check our hearts. Like for real, we need to check our hearts. Our days here are not promised and we need to love on each other. And all of these things that we're having to deal with on a day-to-day basis, it's a lot. And if people, like she said, would just check your heart, like I feel like things would be a lot, a lot better. Rest in peace, Chadwick. I'm devastated by this news. And thank you for your service. All right, guys. That's all we have for the water cooler. We're going to take a break. So, guys, today for our Down to Business segment, we have marriage and family counselor and founder of Freedom Chain Ministries, a nonprofit organization that supports at-risk youth and ex-offenders to overcome challenges with resilience. After finishing her grad school 
in 2014, she committed herself to help others break barriers to freedom and to get their second win. She's also an author of a book titled My Second Win, her personal life story and pain that led her to prison. Yvette, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having me, ladies. It's a pleasure. Thank you. It is such a pleasure. And uh, um, she, uh, I found her on Twitter. She reached out and I was like, oh, I was praying God send us a therapist. <laughs> 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 you came right on time. So thank you for joining us here today. Awesome. Thank you. So we are Black at Work, and I know you have so much to share with us about your prison experience and your ministry. So let's start with your experience that led you to starting your nonprofit organization. Um, it was definitely my um, prison experience, but my passion for um, the community, um, giving back at risk youth um, actually started, you know, in early childhood. I was always that child who loved to reach out, make friends, bring friends home, um, you know, things like that, building relationships with people at the time that I didn't know that they were at risk. Also, at the time, I didn't know that growing up, even in a family that I thought was very fun was still yet dysfunctional in its own way. And I was just as at risk as they were. But, um, you know, my prison experience, basically, um, it did lead me to understand my and grow a passion for, um, you know, reentry back into society, the ex-offenders, the struggle um, of coming back into society with um, so, you know, so many labels, um, being a felon, you know, jobs, things like that. So it led me to have a passion of understanding. And on that path, Freedom Chain was actually birthed in prison walls because a lot of my ministry began there. And so, you know, I just followed that same passion when I came home. And today it is still my compa- my passion and commitment to the um, at-risk youth and ex-offenders and helping them navigate through life and breaking barriers to freedom. That's awesome. So can you tell us a little bit about like Can you tell us why you went to prison and what do you feel like convicted felons can do to not go back into that cycle in a system that's literally set up for them to fail when they come out? My brother is a uh, ex-con and, you know, you know, he can't vote. You know, it's hard for him to get a job. Fortunately, he's gotten a job. But how do you encourage those or what do you say and how do you, you know, how do you tell them to get back into society when they're deciding when the system is set up for them to fail. Absolutely. That's a powerful question. Um, my prison experience, basically, actually, I was in college. I was in college. I um, After high school, I went off to college. And um, my freshman year, um, I went to Averett College, which is located in Danville, um, Virginia. It's actually Averett University now. And I just struggled, you know, just trying to coming from home in a Christian environment, going to college, trying to navigate between, you know, the party life and really finding Yvette. My sophomore year, my grades started to fall a little bit, came home, um, 
went through, you know, some relationships that probably I should have stayed away from, um, you know, went back to school, just couldn't get it together. And, you know, I began to actually be very inquisitive about a world that I did not grow up in. I was always about, you know, um, inquisitive about, you know, the the rough, the thug life, I guess you could say. And I just became, you know, really just inquisitive about it. And so what led me there was um my my actual charge. I hope you guys read the book, but I will say that it was part of um it was a part of fraud. And it um the prison experience was kind of the best experience because it helped me to understand myself. It gave me some clarity on who I was searching for for my life. And it just gave me a lot of clarity to, you know, be able to navigate when I came back home. Now, what I will say is this, when I came back home, I am so thankful for my stepfather um, that, you know, he said, hey, listen, you're going to go back. We're going to keep this thing rolling. I went back to school, um, went back and got my criminal justice, um, administrative criminal justice degree here. And, um, you know, then I just said, okay, I want to go back to school. I went back and got psychology. And um, then I just, you know, grad school. It's kind of like, okay, God, what am I going to do? Because by this time, I had lost both of my parents. My father was killed in a car accident. My mother lost a battle um, to leukemia. And it was just my sister and I, my sister, you know, we didn't know what to do. And when I went back to grad school, I said, okay, God, what am I going to do with the rest of my life? Because I cannot just wear this state and federal numbers on my chest the rest of my life. I have to come back. I have to find a way, even in the midst of this, how am I going to be productive in society? Yvette, what are you going to do? I'm here, I've arrived, I'm in grad school, and I really didn't know what my future was going to hold. And so a lot of that led me to just continue to be resilient, continue to fight back against any negative thoughts, negative energy. And that's basically what happened. And so today, I want to encourage ex-offenders. I want to encourage those that your voice matters. Because in 2016, I I was um, given back all of my rights, um, restored back my rights to vote, to hold office. Um, I was very proud of that. And so on this journey of 2020, I am speaking out to all ex-offenders and letting you guys know, hey, listen, it's time for your voice to matter. We mattered in the street. We mattered and we made so much noise before the prison experience. Now you can be an influence in your community and matter if you cannot vote. I'm sure you can still be influential and being a good citizen back in society and encourage your friends, encourage those who can vote to go vote. So your voice matters. Don't wear the disappointment. Don't wear your past so much as a badge on your chest to say, I am a felon. No, you are blessed. You are highly favored. And you can take that wild card and you can play it and win in the end. And that's what my second win is all about. My God. Can we cue the organ? Hallelujah. (laughs) Yes, Miss Yvette. That is everything that is so true and i love the title of your book the second wind you know usually people quote the saying you know my second wind my second wind but what's the story i guess behind your t- title and how did you come up with that title 
While in grad school, I started writing a lot of papers and I said, okay, you know, the APA format and all of that good stuff. And so I took out a Word document in between writing a paper and I said, you know what? I just started writing one day. So before the My Second Win, it was actually I wrote my own research paper, and it was entitled The Metamorphosis of Yvette W. Jones. And I started as a caterpillar, and then I ended up as a butterfly, and things start flying. I began to get my wings, and I began to fly and soar into the person that God had created me to be. And what I was learning was this is not the end. This is your second win, such as like an athlete goes in and say, okay, I'm ready for round two. Yes. All right, here we go. I'm ready for whatever is mine and I am going to grab it this time. And that's how my second win was actually, you know, birth. It started out as a research paper entitled The Metamorphosis of Myself. And it just went from there, you guys. Wow. You know what? We're going to put Bishop Yvette okay. W. Jones. Because <laughs> you have a, you know, a powerful voice. Okay. I'm over here like praising. <laughs> I mean, we are literally over here shouting. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> but um, one of your charges is um, to help those that you help um, on how to be resilient. And that's, to me, so important to, you know, how to get back up after being knocked down but for a lot of people that's so easily said than done mm -hmm. so what specific things that you do that you could share with us you know we we're, we're going to read the book and our co-workers are going to read the book right guys but what can you share with us just some tips on like how to get back up after you've been thought been knocked down because it's so easy to say oh just get up just get up but like what what type of practices do you put in place to get yourself so motivated resilience is basically um in layman terms the ability basically to bounce back from any life stressors so when you are going to keep you have to keep fighting but you have to know that you are a winner while you're fighting if you fight from the perspective of a loser you're not going to get there so you have to keep fighting knowing you know what? I win. I win. I am a winner. If you don't keep talking to yourself with the positive, you know, mentality, you're not going to get there. Resilience is going to be short lived. So you have, it's an everyday process. Number one, when my father, my stepfather and my mom, when they brought me back to my hometown, I made a decision. One was my relationship is going to always be vertical. If you come at me horizontal, you better be positive. You have to have positive energy in your life. If you don't have positive energy, you're going to have to shut those doors. If your main goal is to be resilient and to continue to bounce back from any struggles in your life, you're going to have to also um, check your circle of influence. Check your circle of influence. If everybody in your circle is doing the same thing that you're doing, then you need to check your circle because you always want to strive for greater because greater is always in you. So you need to surround yourself, not where you are in life, but where you want to go in life. 
And I'm going to say that one more time because we tend to have a, a norm to stay with the, if I like to go shopping, I'm going to go shopping with all my girls or I'm going to go shopping. I'm going to do this. We have to find who we are and we have to find who we were created to be. So if you're going to fulfill your purpose, the second thing is check your influences, check your circle of friends, because if everybody's doing the same thing all the time, you have no one putting you in check and no one that's setting an example to be what you want to be, then that is going to interrupt your um, progress and your resilience in life. And you know, what I had to do, honestly, I was born and raised in church. I had to close some doors. And one of them, unfortunately, was the church. Hey, listen, I married a pastor. I married a, 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 a Bible scholar. And I am so thankful for that. And it, our journey in our marriage has been just funny. It has been crazy because he keeps me grounded. At the same time, likewise, I do the same with him. But what I'm understanding is that it's bigger than church. It's your personal relationship. Whatever your God is, whatever your higher being is, you have to have a personal relationship, meditation, prayer, those things are important and a good support group. And that's how I stayed grounded. I had to shut some doors on some people, some places and some things that were hard at first because these were old habits and old behaviors. And when you come back home as an ex-offender and your surroundings that, that you're norm and you're comfortable, you know where to go to get in trouble. You know where to go to have fun. You know where to go to get the negative energy. So I had to learn who I was, who I am, and where I want to be. And then I had to sit down and just be real with myself. The ultimate goal is to know who you are and not be comfortable with who you are. You got to look yourself in the mirror and say, I really don't like you. So now you have to ask yourself, okay, what you going to do about it? And whatever you decide to do about it, you have to go in that direction. You can't keep looking back. You have to look forward because that's where your purpose is. Oh my gosh. I love that. So um, now speaking of uh, Missy, Bay, you did speak about, you know, your marriage and all of that. Um, and you, I know you are a marriage count, marriage and family counselor. And I just want to touch on, uh, the stigma that's in the black community, because unfortunately there is a stigma in the black community that therapy is like in a sense bad or, you know, it's it has a negative, you know, relation to it. So can you tell us the importance of therapy and why it is so important? Yeah, it does. Um, you're absolutely correct. I think that counseling is very important because what it does, it helps you to understand, again, who you are, who your um, spouse or partner is. Also, it helps to understand how to navigate and overcome the weak areas because a lot of the weak areas in uh, a relationship has a lot to do with our own baggage. And what I see in a lot of clients is that you have them coming and they will say what's wrong with the other person. But once we get in, do an assessment, a lot of the things that you see that's wrong with the other person is actually, it's your own. And a lot of people don't want to understand that. A lot of people, they don't want to admit to that. 
And so a lot of times I let um, my clients know that when you see someone, you don't see the baggage that they have. You don't see the the shame, the guilt, the um, unforgiveness. You don't see the resentment. You don't see any of their struggles because a lot of times we look at what's on the outside. And, you know, there's a saying that says beauty is skin deep. And once you start digging on the inside of a person and you get to the heart of the matter, a lot of times we we end up not really understanding who they are or really who we are. So what I am going to encourage, you know, all, all listeners today, and especially in, you know, in the black community is that when you don't think things are necessary, it's because we always try to go off of, you know, what we were taught. So, you know, change is good. And the problem is, is that we have to understand ourselves first before we can invite anybody else in to love us. That's the main key. And, you know, once we do that, a lot of times the struggle is forgiveness. There are a lot of hidden, hidden hurt, hidden struggles, hidden things that we don't see that tend to oppress us. And it tends to roll over in our relationships. That's the bottom line. Yeah, that's that's so true. And that's so important about giving forgiving ourselves from things that we might do or past baggage like you were talking about things Mm -hmm. that we might bring from other relationships. Uh, We feel like, you know, it was our fault or something like that. And then we bring that to another relationship and then you just feel like then you mess up that relationship. But not in not trying to. So uh, that's very true. What I wanted to say for my personal self is therapy really changed me and changed my life. Um, it made me a whole different person. Uh, it made me put a mirror up to who I was and toxic behaviors that I had that I was putting out to my friendships, to my relationships. And it really made me come to terms with myself. I I love therapy and I encourage everybody to go to therapy. Um, Just like Sherry from earlier, she needs therapy. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But no, on a serious note, I really, I really appreciate you speaking to us on the importance of healing yourself from within because that's so important. And another thing that I learned in therapy is to how to kind of wrap my head around the things that's going on around us. It doesn't make it any better, but it gives me tools on how to, you know, deal with these things. So I agree that that is um, a very important thing to add is if you're, you know, coming out of a prison experience, therapy, 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 therapy. Another thing that you um, talked about was finding a good support system. And unfortunately, a lot of people leaving prisons don't have that. Um, A lot of reasons of why they end up in prison is because they never really had a support system. So what types of things could people do or outreach or something like that to get those types of support systems when they really don't know where to turn? Um, Great question, Dana. And you know, when you come back into society, you support system is great. The only problem is that a lot of times when you're released on uh, parole or probation, you tend to go to support groups that tend to deal with the same habits that you had. So you got to be careful there because you're going to like snatch some of the same old behaviors. And it's so 
easy. It's so easy to go backwards. So one thing is that if you, you know, I think that our um, church community could do a lot better um, because there are so many people who are standoffish and they are turned off when it comes to that, um, simply because I think that we get so wrapped up into the antics of religion that we forget to search the heart of the man and understand who they are. I think the church community is where we have a lot of support if we were able to use it effectively and and from a positive uh, standpoint. We spend a lot of time, and I see a lot of youth that I work with, we spend a lot of time grooming that man back into society, making sure his pants are pulled up, making sure that that, you know, he speaks a certain way and making sure that, you know, that he's able to to do those things within the walls of the church. But once we remove the walls, and I'm just speaking on the church community now, how we can be more effective um, and to help to reduce recidivism, we have to meet a person where they are. And, and your support, if it's going to be, you know, on that level of that, you've got to not remind them of the negative things. You have to put your in a position that you are going to plant a seed that's going to propel that individual into their purpose. If not, what we do in the church community is that we groom um, folks to do well within the church and not be able to do well outside of the walls. Um, a lot of nonprofit organizations that are not affiliated in the church community, you know, those communities, we've got to do more than feed. You know, we we see a lot of organizations and I'm for it. We at Freedom Chain, we've done a lot with the youth in the summertime, not getting a balanced nutrition. But what I understood is that after those kids get fed, they have to have something else to feed on because that food for nourishment for the body is going to be gone within 24 hours. If you don't instill something positive and don't tell that young man what or, you know, what he or she um, can be and do and and teach education, teach excellence, higher learning and inform them. You know, those are the areas that we've got to improve on as far as the support system. If not, you're going to groom that person to to continue to walk in those same old habits, old behaviors, which are going to become a norm. And those norms and those habits are hard to break if you don't have that right, you know, effective support system. That's the bottom line. I hate to say it, but it is what it is. And I'm glad you brought up your um, nonprofit organization, Freedom Chain Ministries. Could you talk a little bit more about what you guys do to help the community? Um, we spent a lot of time with the uh, youth, with the at-risk youth um, for the last couple of years, because my goal is to make sure that you don't go um, into the prison walls and make sure that you do see your future and your future is bright. Um, we spend a lot of time, my husband and I, we have the, we have a movie night. We let the kids be kids. We play the music. We have fun with them, but they know, you know, Hey, Missy vet, you know, I need to call you. I need to talk with you. We build a relationship. And that is the one thing that this, that my organization is more, um, you know, that that kind of hones in on is building a relationship with our youth, being able to have them to come and talk with us and for us to put some positivity back in them. It's not drilling them with scripture. It's not drilling them, you know, with, um, you know, 
with any faith-based things all the time. It's letting them know who you are and letting them see the God that lives inside of you. We do a lot of, you know, the summertime, a lot of things with movies and, and tutoring, education, making sure they have balanced meals, latchkey kids whose parents are not home. You know, they even knock on our door and say, hey, you know, what are you, you know, what are you cooking? What are you doing? You know, watching TV, spending time, um, it's really been a big key of Freedom Chain Ministries and to help them to, you know, go to school, being able to help them to build their mindset that after school, what what are you going to do? It's not always a four-year school. Um, it's about letting them inform them that, hey, I like to do this. You like to work on cars? Well, then let's get an old car and let's start working on it. Building what's inside of them and helping them grow outside of that to understand that there's there's greater for them. That's basically what we do. Yeah, that's awesome. It sounds like you guys are promoting entrepreneurship, which is what I feel like all black youth and even older, you know, black men and women need to push for so that we can circulate our own economic black dollars. Uh (laughs) So that's awesome. And then also you also, I just want to touch on, you did touch on, you know, the fact that you don't have to drill um, religion or, you know, drill practices onto children because your everyday life and how you move, how you wake up in the morning, how you cook or how you talk to people on the phone, all of that will show through, you know, who you, your character and who you are. You don't have to be over here drilling things into children and all of that for them to be a certain way. Your positive, your positivity and the way you move throughout life is just an example of how, you know, they'll be able to be the example. So that's awesome. Yeah. Um, Missy Bet, you are a true black, you are black girl magic. Okay. You are the definition. (laughs) You are the definition of turning a whole type of situation around coming back full circle and being the example. So, um, can you tell us where you're located and how our listeners can get involved if they have children or youth that they want to be involved with your, um, with your freedom chain ministries, or if they want to reach out for counseling with your marriage and family counseling, and even where they can get your book, uh, The Second Wind, provided with all of that. Sure. Um, you can go to my website. It's yvettewjones.com. And you can find out how there's a link there that will link you to my counseling, um, Freedom Chain Counseling. It will also link you to the book, um, My Second Wind. And it's also located on Amazon as well. Um, you can hit me up on Twitter at Yvette W. Jones. I'm also on Instagram at Yvette W. Jones and on Facebook. Um, it's at Yvette W. Jones official on Facebook. Um, and you can just reach out. You can go to the website. You can click on the contact, um, contact form and just, you know, shoot me an email. We can talk about it, you know, and, you know, we can go from there. If you have any questions, I'll be more than happy to answer them. Um, but let me say this before I go and let me direct this at the black community and to my black, my black sisters, go the ahead. black single mothers out there. What I'm noticing with the uh, with youth and in counseling, a lot of times this is what we do. And I'm going to encourage you today. It's hard. Don't beat up on daddy. 
don't beat up on daddy and don't try to form your 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 son into the man of the house these young men <laughs> they have enough on their plate dealing with the brokenness of their home and the dysfunction. They already can see mama broken, okay? Then you put them in a position where they have to provide. They have to be the man of the house. And then when someone, here's the problem, when someone goes to marry that man, that's that same little boy who didn't have the foundation, who was struggling trying to be a man at 10 years old, and now he can't be a man at 25, 30, and 40. And that woman, that wife, that, that, that baby mama is dealing with that. Don't instill your pain and your fear, your agony, your resentment into your child. And I'm talking about the young black men because so many times the black community will do this. We will think that as a sister, we, we got this. We can do this. We can go get the child support and all. Just be careful when you're raising that young black man, that you're raising him through the human growth stages and development of life. Get to know the stage of that young man. Don't let him walk into manhood too early, okay? Because then he's going to fail, he's going to fall, and we already have enough in society right now that's against the back of the black man. So we have to learn because it starts at home. When I deal with the young youth, 9, 10, and 11 years old, I see these little young boys, I got to go do this, it's this time to do this. You should be playing on a playground, son. You should be enjoying life, son. You shouldn't have to have the burden of the missing link or the other part of your DNA to cover this in your household. I know it's deep, sisters, but we cannot do that. We have to learn how to raise our men through those stages of growth. Let him be a child. Let him grow up so that he will be that good provider and he will be that great man that that young woman is waiting on one day. That's all I got to say, you guys. But that that's something that I see that we have to correct in our black community. We've got too many single moms that are considering their sons as head of the household or as the little man in the house. And this little man can't even use the bathroom straight, you know? And so we gotta be careful because these young men are growing up. They're going to prison. They're trying to find their way in life. And it's hurtful because there's a lot of talent, a lot of gifts, and there's a lot that society is missing that the black man was not instilled with. And the oppression does not always come out of society and out of the other race. The oppression can sometimes come within the home. So let us be careful that we raise good, strong black men and black girls so that we can be productive in society and the prison walls will never see us. My, 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 my. Can I say a word? A, a word. word. A word. And I'm going to take this sound clip and send it to my mother-in-law. <laughs> <another plan. laughs> no, like when I say you have so much conviction, you will cause, okay, Miss Yvette, you have so much conviction in your voice, like, but everything that you're saying is so on point. I had, I'm just, I'm floored. Like, when I say a word that you just spoke there, my Jesus. Hello, um, Miss Yvette, listen, thank you so, 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 so much for being on our show. I knew God sent you to me. <laughs> 
You are so welcome. Thank you, you guys, for having me. Of course. Absolutely. And everybody, everybody, go to Amazon and look up My Second Win by Yvette W. Jones. I'm sure if you got something from her today, that book is going to inspire you. It's going to bless you. It's going to make you a new. I ain't even read it yet, but I'm inspired to read, okay? Go out and get Miss Yvette's book. Send her love on social media. Thank you so much for being a part of our little old program, Miss Yvette. Thank you so much for having me. You guys have been wonderful. It's time for the break room. It's the break room. It's the break room. What your brain do? Girl, we finna spill all the tea. Hey, hey, it's the break room. What your brain do? Well, it's the break room time. Y'all, the shy, the shy, the shy. Oh my God, I feel like we have not been in the break room for a minute, but, uh, and we have not talked about the shy. We forgot every every episode, we forgot to talk about it. And it's finally the season finale. And we're just now talking about it. But we're going to wrap it up, y'all, because the shy was so good this season. I'm actually glad we're ending, like, having t- been able to talk about it and just able to talk about the whole season. The season finale was last week, and so much happened. Keisha's home, and of course, we find out on this last the episode before last that she's pregnant. Now let's pause because that's a tough situation to be in. You know, you have a stranger, like a literal sick individual who has kidnapped you, raped you, held you hostage and in bondage for two months or for the past two months. And you find out you're pregnant. Like, I mean, I don't even know. I mean, I'm going to say I wouldn't want to keep it. Because, you know, every time I would see the see my baby, I would think of him. And that's and that was a traumatizing situation. But then on the other hand, you know, she could adopt if she's just really kind of torn about killing the baby. Um, so, I mean, it's a tough situation. And I'm not, you know, going to say what I would or wouldn't do. Because, you know, I never say never anymore. I've been taught that uh, through my experiences. But what do you think? She, what, what, what do you think, Dana? Do you think she should keep the baby? I personally wouldn't. Um, yeah, I'm I'm actually pro-life for my own autonomy. I don't care what you're doing with your body. But for me and my body, I'm pro-life. But like you said, I can't say what I would do in this situation because I have not been in this situation. The last thing I would ever want to do is raise my rapist's baby. It's not even, you can't even begin to wrap your head around the the type of trauma that would involve. And then you fucking up a kid because you're having to raise them, resenting them. You know, if that's how she feels, I know we talking about these characters like they real, but (laughs) I, yeah, I wouldn't know what to do with that. And I feel bad for Keisha and other girls that go through things like that. You know, um, there's a member of my family that was um, created from a rape and it was obvious that she needed to be here because if she wasn't here, I wouldn't be here. So you know, ugh, I hate to bring up 
religion or God in this situation um, and the purpose of everybody being created, but that's a tough situation and it's a personal situation. And if Keisha was a real person, that's her business. What Tabitha Brown said? Right. Because that's, that's her business. business. <laughs> and that's, that's that on that. Yeah, that's very true. Uh, I love the fact that the shot is touching on so many real situations that actually happen because you said you have somebody in your family. So it's it's sad. Well, shout out to Ronnie for finding Keisha, but just as he is getting his groove back with old girl, I don't even remember her name. He gets shot down at the grand opening of Smokies and now Ronnie is gone. R.I.P. Ronnie. I know Dana is probably glad because Dana was like so over <laughs> Ronnie. <laughs> but I liked Ronnie. But anyways, in good shot news, Emmett and Tiff got married. <laughs> I don't know why, but the whole episode, I was like, either his dad or his mom is going to spill the beans to Tiff and tell her that him and old girl Lala's character had sex, but they didn't. I don't know if that's ever going to come out. I hope not, because I really like Emmett and Tiff. I like their relationship. I think it's going to come out, but they'll stay married. You think so? Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's drama, so that's going to come out. And first of all, shout out to Tiff. She's one of my favorite characters, okay? Um, I feel like I'm... (laughs) If I was about that life, I'd be selling weed, too. And she do it so cute, like, you know, she got her little cute little weed case and she professional and shit. I love it. I love her. Yeah, she's one of my favorite characters on the show. Like, she's so real. Like, she's like a real down girlfriend. Like, one of them girls. Like, she's not faking. Like, you would think, like, she's Tiffany in real life. Like, she's playing her character really well. And speaking of somebody playing their character well... Can I just say I did a deep, a thorough evaluation, and I am proud of Candy. Candy did a really good job pulling her character off. Like, I thought she was going to be coming now, you know, a little cheesy, how she talk and all of that, you know. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I see her as an actress, like, I'm really impressed. Like, I'm excited to see her character next season. She did a really good job. Like, I feel everything she touches literally turns to gold. Like, Candy is a gold mine at this point. Shout out to Candy, Black Queen. Yes, she did a, a, a great job um, with the shy. I was also very impressed and proud of her. Just like any actress turned singer, I mean, singer turned actress, you know, there was some moments where she could have, you know, did better, but Overall, I think she did an amazing job. Shout out to the Shy and team for bringing her on and just giving us a great season. So I can't wait to see next year. Me too. Thanks, Lena Waithe. Anyway, so Chronicles, the No Limit Story was a five-part docuseries about the journey of No Limit. And y'all, it was so good. Like, I was not expecting it to be this good. Like, I knew all the hits they, you know, No Limit was putting out at that time. But I had no idea that Master P was like a whole master boss. Like, when I say created a magnitude of a just an empire from nothing... 
all the way to millions. And, and I'm not talking about little million. I ain't talking about million, two million, like 400 million, like millions of dollars. Like he had the whites <laughs> looking at him like this nigga boy who do okay. is shaking in their boots. Like, did you watch Dana? Girl, yeah, it was great. It was so much that I learned about Master P and his family. Um, yeah. Shout out to Sonya. Um, what's that? Sonya Miller. Girl, sleeping on the floor, sleeping in the studio, uh, standing by your man while he was on the struggle bus for decades. I don't care if y'all aren't together no more. Master P needs to be taking care of you for life. And he is. So shout out to him for being a good stand-up man for that. But yeah, the whole series to me was the bomb. It took me back to, you know, my childhood when I knew I was a low, no limit soldier. Okay, bitch. Me and my friends was in eighth grade. We had a little club called the Soldierettes. <laughs> Oh, Lord, not the soldier rich, baby. Girl, Master P started a movement. He started, he, and then what, what I felt so inspiring about the whole thing, it took this man years, years. He put out so much music that was trash, you know, trying to sound like that bass sound. And instead of going back to his New Orleans roots, but he still kept trying. And trying and trying and trying until he got to where he was going because he knew he was going there. How inspiring is that? Because there's so many people that grow up in those types of situations that the projects that he was in and how dangerous they are, they succumb to that. They don't ever come out of that. Master P did that shit, bro. Listen, when I die and if Master P still living, which he probably won't because I'm a lift longer than him. I'm claiming it. But um, if he's still alive, I would like for him to read my obituary. I just want that sound. Just like uh, Solange had on the seat of the table, how he was doing all her... Uh, that I, I want that. I want Master P to read my obituary because this man is literally life. Respect this man. He wasn't even a rapper. He couldn't rap. This shit was trash. And if you even go back and look at and think about Magosay, uh, even though it's one of our cultural like song, like it wasn't that great. <laughs> but you know, as far as like rap and lyricism and all of that, but my eye forever will bow down to Percy Miller and his contribute. Uh, his contributions to our society, to our culture, to the music industry, from what he was able to do to come out of projects and literally call his grandma and tell her she don't have to work for them white folks no more. We got more money than they do, grandma. Like, that's the type of shit that I'm talking about. Come on, Percy Miller. Come on, Percy Miller. Yes. And he is just, it, it, it is very, his story is very inspiring. I'm glad they brought that to to document, you know, to document and had a docu documentary about it. Uh, because like I said, I didn't know that, you know, I mean, I knew, but I didn't know it was like to that magnitude. So shout out to Percy Miller, <laughs> Master P. No, but it was so inspiring. And now they've started a free sea murder movement. Dana talked about that earlier in the water cooler. Um, if you watched, you saw that sea murder went to prison for a murder that he did not commit. Of course, like they just like to throw us in prison and leave us there like some animals. But and recently, Kim K and Monica are now working together to get him out. 
And actually, Monica and C. Murder used to date, which I had no idea of. But I know, did you see Master P? Uh, he was like, wasn't having it. He went to Instagram and was like, where y'all been at? Like, where y'all been at? You know what I'm saying? Okay. Monica was married. But I do remember when she dated C. Murder back in the 90s. And it was so scandalous that she got her his name tattooed on her arm. Remember how she used to come out with that band on her arm? Yeah, she was covering up a tattoo with C Murder. So, I mean, obviously they got history, and you can't take that from them. But did you see his other chicks come off the woodworks with they prison pictures with him? Girl, I've been around. I'm that bitch, you know. <laughs> Baby, C Murder, people fighting over you outside. Okay, they trying to say I'm Mrs. Frankly Lyman. No, I'm Mrs. Frankly Lyman. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, free C murder, okay? Um, but I don't know if y'all heard, but Romeo and Bow Wow are trying to develop a documentary. I guess his, you know, Romeo, they did kind of put him in the documentary a little bit, and now he wants to uh document him and Bow Wow stories and how they came up from, you know, stars. Because I mean, if you do think about it, they were like, you know, little Romeo. Hey, give me, give me one more chance. Ah, uh, girl, I ain't trying to be a girlfriend. You know what I'm saying? They used to be my son. I was like, dang, I forgot about this. So they did put a, they did contribute to the black culture too. So I mean, we'll see where that goes. They they want to tell their story. So I'm excited to see to see that. Anyways, in Real Housewives, in the Real Housewives world, uh Real Housewives of Potomac is on finally. Uh, and it's juicy, y'all. Like, they are really good. I know, like, I know a couple of my friends, they don't watch it, but I hope y'all watch Real Housewives of Potomac because it's like up there with Real Housewives of Atlanta, okay? Uh, have you been watching Dana? Yes, I have, Team Monique. I was about to say, are you Team Can? Are y'all Team Candace or are y'all Team Monique? I, what do you say, Dana? I'm team Monique um, because she dressed better than all them hoes. First of all, let me just point out, Giselle, you are too beautiful to be so fucking tacky. Her wardrobe, her house, all that country ass, the court. What? You got, do you have enough money to hire someone? I'm just wondering because, I mean, you have the look to be coming out slaying every episode and you always look like you shopped at Rainbow. A, a very expensive Rainbow. I need to figure that out. And I need to figure out your decor. But anyway, um, Team Monique, like I said, um, I really don't like Candace. Uh, she is just a little bit too over the top. She's a little bit extra. And I'm not talking about um, extra sauce, which would be a good thing. She's more like extra um, surgery. She's more like extra rehabilitation time. She's more like a extra um, peas, you know, at the dinner table, like all the bad extra. She needs to sit down. down. Um, she's one of those ones that need to go to therapy and hash out her personal toxic behaviors when it comes to her friends and her loved ones. But I know you mentioned Monique earlier and they did have a little off camera kind of that can made Monique look kind of shady. Yeah. And that's why I'm not like, okay. So at first I was team Monique 
And I'm here for Monique. She's a boss mom. They have, they clearly invested well because they have beautiful, a beautiful house. And let me just say this, this is off topic, but her baby is potty trained at less than nine months old. And I'm like so bitter about that. I was like, you about to get potty trained today. Monique's baby is five months old and he potty trained and you over here walking around 14 months old talking about my child and you can't, but anyway. Uh, <laughs> I am, I was see Monique, but then, so they left the dinner and this wasn't last episode. This was the episode before last. They left Ashley's dinner. She had a coming out because, you know, she's a new mom. You don't usually like to come out. You want to be staying around your baby all the time. They had a dinner for her. And when they left, you know, they were, so Monique's, you can tell that it's going in this direction. Monique and Candace are into it because apparently Candace has befriended Sharice. And if you remember, if y'all watched, Sharice and Monique were really, really good Judys. Like they were like claiming that they used to be sisters and all of that. Supposedly Sharice has gone around Potomac child and then told everybody that she has been uh, fooling or messing around with her personal trainer. Obviously, Monique says that those are lies. Uh, and so she doesn't understand why Candace invited her, Sharice, to her engagement party. She's like, when did y'all become good friends? So, you know, she's kind of going at her and like, I'm going to get at you. I'm going I'm to I'm talk to you. I'm going to talk to you, Candace. That's Monique. And so they leave the dinner from Ashley's dinner or whatever. And when they get outside, Monique's whole demeanor, persona, she turned in the hood, Monique. Girl, you know, I had to do that. You know, I had. And it just became real fake and shady to me. Like, so you acted one way on camera and you acted another off camera. Oh, yeah, she got to keep a storyline. But in regards to Sharice, ugh, girl, you can get the fuck on. Like, you're obviously off the show for a reason. And all you, to me, when I see Sharice, she just looked like a miserable old petty bitch that's just hate the world and just here to bring drama. And honestly, a lot of times with the things that people do and say to you, are a reflection of how they feel about themselves and their own self-esteem. And I feel like Sharice's self-esteem is in the pits because she's always stirring up some bullshit-ass drama that she don't even need to be in. You are a friend of the show. They used to be the top dog of the show. And you are just doing any and every little thing to, to be seen on camera. Bitch, bye. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know about Sharice. Char- I feel like she might be trying to come on to get her a little shine because she really don't even have a storyline no more, which is probably why she's off the show. Now she's trying to stir up drama. So Yeah, because we tired of hearing about how much your ex-husband hates you. We know he hates you. We hate you too, bitch. A damn y'all Dana has been reading all y'all for feel today. Okay. I just want y'all to, to know that. <laughs> but uh but yeah, it, it's it's getting juicy and you we will see that I think Monique and Candace are going to have a fight. So I cannot wait. I'm saying I can't wait to see that. I'm not saying I promote black women being violent with each other, but I'm just saying I can't wait to see the drama, okay? I wanna and, see what it was it about. I wanna see what me too. Monique there and you know I feel very kindred to Monique like as far as like I'm a lady you know I'm a little bougie boots but if you try me I'll knock your motherfucking head off so I'm trying to figure out and I want to know why she felt inclined to try to knock Candace's head the fuck off 
And one more thing, you notice how they are playing, you know, trying to showcase how they, they might be having a little bit of troubles in their marriage, Monique and her dude. And so it's like, are y'all being messy and trying to say, well, she could have, you know, possibly stepped out on her marriage and, you know, been with her trainer. Cause you know, she was saying how, you know, the honeymoon phase is over and she's like, well, you know, you don't do this for me no more. You don't take me here no more. You don't do this no more. So I don't know. I'm interested to see. And Monique don't play about her husband or her kids. So I'm that's another thing. She don't play about her husband or kids and she got too much to lose. So why fuck with a personal ass trainer? That's dumb. And Monique is smarter than that. This rumor is goofy and stupid. I don't believe it. Well, look, child, I don't put nothing past nobody. But hey, I ain't saying, Monique, that you done did something. I, I hope not. I, you have a beautiful family. But we'll see how this plays out. I'm so ready for it to come on, and we're going to talk about it next week. But in new music news and what's all been out and happening and all of that since we've been gone... Yesterday, well, New Music Friday, Lil Wayne re-released his album, which was like, or his mixtape, which was like, it's the top on Lil Wayne's hit list or whatever. Uh, He re-released No Ceilings. Okay, let me, No Ceilings. Okay. Straight straight back to college on that one. (laughs) Baby, y'all, I used to love... No ceilings. I have been like banging no ceilings. Like it just came out. The fact that he can still go and still like it still goes to this day. Like that just said. I mean, Lou ain't a goat anyway. Uh, and speaking of the goat, y'all know I love Drake. Drake dropped "Laugh Now, Cry Later." Drake and Lil Durk. I mean, the song. I I I, I like the song. I mean, I feel like. I don't know. I like the song. I'm always forever like Drake. Do you like his new song? You you have Drake on the lowest of uh, expectations. <laughs> like <laughs> this nigga has been putting out trash all year. <laughs> I always be trying. I'm like, I mean, it, the song is. I like the song. It ain't just. You know, it ain't take care album. It ain't on that level at all. Or nothing was the same type of vibes but Drake can still do no wrong to me but have y'all seen what 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 or heard what 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 have y'all seen the video the controversy around it Cardi B and Megan Thee Stallion do you like the song Dana I love the song I love the ladies I love what they did um I love how they stirred up the pot I even love all these protests <laughs> coming out talking about women don't need to be showing that talking about pussy when y'all niggas rap about pussy and drugs and dicks all the time sit down and let us enjoy this uh moment while we are going through a black plight goddamn Right. And Meg the Stallion posted, she was like, I love how y'all so, you know, torn up about us singing about WAP. But well, who was the three six mop? Snob on my knob. Corn on the car. Then give me it. Right. That song is about the same as WAP. It's just the man version, child. Okay, and I was surely in fifth grade singing that. So um, if you guys have a problem with women talking about their sexuality and all of that bullshit and you care so much about your kids not hearing that shit, then turn it off. God damn it. And enjoy. Let us grown folk 
enjoy the WAP. <laughs> enjoy the WAP. They've been having, they've been having a lot of fun. And shout out to Cardi B. She continues to hit new history marks and all that. She's been number one her and um, on on the billboard. So that should tell y'all some day number one. Okay. Child. Um, so shout out to them. I have been listening to though. I've been listening to city girls, their new album city on lock. Uh, I've also been listening to Dana's probably going to be very shocked and proud. I've been listening to young Dolph. Ah! Y'all know my man from Memphis. So he don't, I'd be like, okay, I kind of like this little Dolph. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and Jasmine Sullivan, I have to mention that she has a new song. It's a short song. It's about her um, last relationship, I guess, a breakup. Jasmine Sullivan can do no wrong. Her, her new song is called Lost One. So y'all go stream that because I love Jasmine. Yes, that's very on brand for Jasmine um, with the sad ass shit. And I love me some Jasmine Sullivan, um, but I, I just couldn't get into it. The timing could not be worse for this release. I mean, we already going through shit and then you come here with this sad ass, depressing music. I can't even appreciate it right now. So like you, I've been bopping the City Girls, Afrobeats, and WAP. Hey, well, y'all, please do not forget to watch the Monica and Brandy versus that's coming on Monday. Like, I'm going to be there with the candles lit with my glass of wine. Baby, I'm going to be singing, I want to be down. I want to be down with you. Baby, I'm about to be getting all my life. My entire life. Like, if this, this is like the best versus ever like what could what could be better than than these two ladies coming together who you got Anessa you know I, it's not a competition to me I don't know why they be making it a competition I mean I don't know if it might be a competition but ooh, I I don't know I like both Monica and Brandy song so I mean I'm just gonna be here for the free concert child at this point okay. I'm here for the jam but I just feel like when God made Brandy he was like come on over here Archangel Michael and lend me your vocal cords I'm finna bless this young black queen with them because Brandy's voice is just that of an angel if you can appreciate that type of vocal range and that vocal ability and never say never was my shit okay I was 12 years old going through it okay <laughs> like that's a staple on my kidhood in my life and like when I tell you I used to play that album down like I just I know all the intros everything like so as far as like my personal faith in this it's Brandy but I love Nisa Monica Monica can also sing her ass off Monica also has the hit so I think overall I'm gonna be like you just enjoying the free concert yeah I'm, I'm here for it I can't wait so y'all make sure y'all watch that on Monday and if you are looking for anything to watch on Netflix oh my gosh they just dropped all types of strong black lead bombs on us Moesha and the game are now on Netflix I've seen every season every episode a whole bunch of times and I've already been watching like they new shows that just came out yesterday <laughs> um and to add to the sauce, okay, and this is some good sauce, sister, sister, girlfriends, the Parkers, half and half, 
and one-on-one are all coming to Netflix. Like, it's crazy. I can't even believe this. All my shows, like all the shows I grew up watching that I still watch when they come on Aspire TV or BET. So uh, Sister, Sister, Girlfriends, The Parkers, all those are be out. I think September 1st, um, September 15th, and then October. So y'all check those out. But Moesha and the Game are on right now. I'm really excited to watch Girlfriends as an adult. When it was airing on TV, I didn't watch because the area that I lived in did not have UPN. I think that's where it came on at. Um, And I used to try to figure out a way to watch Moesha, but I'm I'm excited to watch Girlfriends as an adult. I heard it was a really, really good black girl show so i'm into that can't wait for that yes can't wait and jamie fox also has a new movie on netflix called project power i haven't seen it but of course i love jamie fox i don't know how good it is but anything that he does you know you might want to support if you want to watch it it doesn't look like a movie that i would like which is why i haven't watched it but i did want to let you guys know about it dana have you seen it yeah okay it's good okay it's a good movie um if you're into that, like, alternative world type, this shit will never really actually happen um, type movie line type thing. Um, it's filled with action. It has a lot of uh, Black characters. I was so excited to see Oronica in there. And I found out that she wrote all the raps and music um, that the main character and I don't remember her name, but Ironica wrote all her raps and stuff because the main character, she was a, a aspiring rapper. So that was awesome to see. But yeah, I know the movie's good. Y'all check it out. Uh, even if it's not your cup of tea, just support Jamie because, you know, he's one of our legends. You know, Jamie Foxx, multi-talented, multi-faceted, also can't do no wrong besides him dating uh, Katie, uh, uh, Katie Holmes. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck was that? But you know, um, <laughs> go watch the movie. It was a good movie. Okay, good. Yeah, I'm not into the alternative world type of stuff, but still go support Jamie Foxx. I love Jamie Foxx, and Jamie Foxx can sing. Okay. Anyways, that's all I have for the break room. It's been real. It's been real. It's been real. But we'll, I'll see y'all next week in the break room. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> And that's all we have for the show. We'll be back uh, for real next week. Again, thank y'all for hanging out with us during our little brief hiatus. We are back. Hopefully you guys enjoyed our live show that we did for the Black Society of Engineers that was posted to our YouTube and our streaming flat platforms to speak. It was a bonus episode, so there was no water cooler or break room. But hopefully you guys enjoyed that. That's our regularly scheduled programming. We love you all. Also, I wanted to mention that we got a whole bunch of fuck yous while we were out and we couldn't find them. So I recently just found them. So we're going to put together a show based Totally on you guys' fuck yous coming up very soon so we can get all of those out. Um, I read through some of them. They're hilarious. Some of them are sad. Some of them are like, what the fuck? So be on on the lookout for that. Another thing that we have to announce is a contest coming up soon because we want to thank you guys so, so, so much 
for downloading us and streaming us when we're at 60,000 or so. So that's exciting. Um, and we just want to thank you guys with a special contest. And um, you have to follow us on our social media at Black at Work Pod on all the social media platforms to get more information about that in the coming weeks. And also subscribe to our newsletter. We promise. Well, we don't have a fucking newsletter. Let me stop. Subscribe to us <laughs> on our website. Um, we are not going to be sending you no bullshit emails. It's only going to be really important announcements that you need to know. So when that contest comes out, you want to be one of the first to know about it because it's really, really good. And we're really, really excited to roll that out for you guys. And we love you guys so much. So we'll see you next week. And that's it. Bye-bye. Bye, y'all.